Let me ask you this. Do we believe that God's going ahead of us into the new year, right? Do we believe that God sees the end from the beginning, that it's a, he's, he's a God that we can put our trust in at a time like this when we're perhaps entering the new year with a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of fear and uncertainty? Do we, I, I love those verses that, that Abby read, uh, like, see, I am doing a new thing. Oh, man, when you hear that, doesn't that just make you go, Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's, that's something that I want to, I want to put my, my confidence in the ancient words of Scripture today, not just in, in CNN or Fox or anything that's just changeable every day. You know, I want to put my confidence and my trust in God's Word that says God is doing a new thing, and I believe that God, God wants to do a new thing in us starting today as well. Um, pastor, a pastor in Montana, his name's Levi Lusco, he says this, most of us, and this is on the screen here as well, he says, most of us underestimate what we can do in the long term, but we overestimate what we can do in the short term. And I think that applies to like who we can be as well. We like, we want to, if, if you're like me, there's many of times that you've, you've at the beginning of the year or the end of the previous one, you've sat down with your, your journal, and I highly encourage journaling and um, uh, reflecting on what's, uh, what's been going on in your life and what's coming up and allowing God time to speak to you and writing some of that down and recording it. I, I, when I kind of feel inclined to do so, I journal online. Uh, on an online journal called Penzu, and you, you know, there's there's so many of these apps out there. It's just a great way to reflect on what God's doing in your life and, and, and what you're hoping He's going to do in your life. So you can look back five years uh, later and see, okay, what was I, what was I thinking five years ago? What, how have I changed? What's what's the same? What's different? And I, as I read this, I, I was I was really struck by this thought when I when I heard it a little while ago. Most of us underestimate what we can do in the long term, but we overestimate what we can do in the short term. Because haven't you so many times thought this year I'm going to be this and I'm going to be this and I'm going to do this and accomplish this, and it's all going to be happening by mid January. And by the time mid January comes, you're like, ah, oh, where's that piece of paper again? I don't even know what I said I was going to do, because we overestimate what change can take place in a remarkably short period of time. But we don't really think very often, who could I be in five years? What is it that God could do with my life in five years if I was intentional about, about who, who I believe God wants me to become? And we tend to very quickly bail on what we set out to do and who we set out to be. We bail on it very quickly. And so over these next four weeks, I wanted us to think on this theme, uh, who am I going to be in five years? So we've called this you, you in five years. And when I, when I think about it through the week, I'm, th- I'm thinking me in five years, you know? Uh, and so, but we want to we kind of, in an encouraging way, point the finger at one another and say, who are you going to be in five years? Because very often our, our New Year's resolutions are like intended to last a, last a year, but how many of you look on, Jan- on December 31st and think, oh, what did I accomplish this year? Sometimes we've, sometimes we've, ooh, that just got brighter on my, on my anyway. But um, sometimes, you know, we've forgotten it by, by early February. Whereas I think about this town here. Michelle, you got that photo of this, uh, this one town. I don't know where it is. Um, but these people are thinking ahead, right? Some of you are looking at that. You don't even know what's wrong with that, okay? But look again. Okay, there's a little, I mean, Five years, maybe, 180 years, maybe not so much. But, but like, let's, 
Look ahead. And the reason I believe we need to look ahead, because I believe that Scripture lets us know that time is of utmost importance. Right? The time that we've been given, the time that is left, is of utmost importance to who we are and what God is doing. Paul, the apostle, lets us know that our time is sacred, that the space of time that we've got is, is something holy. We're going we're gonna to read a, a text from Romans 13 today, Romans 13, uh, 11 to 14. And um, we're going to refer back to this a couple of times. But this I'm going to read from uh, the message paraphrase of the Bible. And uh, just, just try to, to get the nuggets of the thought out of this that lets us know time the time that we, have had, that we have ahead of us is of utmost importance to God and the way that we view our faith and our daily walk with Him. Let's read this together. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and you doze off oblivious to God. It's almost as if we could be aware of the, just the passage of time, but we are oblivious to those moments within time that God wants to act. Right? The night, it says, it, the night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work that He began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and in dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter. Don't linger. Don't be waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. Isn't that cool? And I love the, the, the imagery that that scripture gives us where Paul, uh, Paul compares the idea of getting up on time and having one of those days that we all have where you're like, I, I got to set my alarm. I got to be up. I got to be moving. I got stuff to accomplish. I, I want to see things happen. I want to be intentional on this day. Maybe it's, it's a day that's important at work and you have to be prepared. And then he compares that, that whole uh, metaphor with our, script, our spiritual lives of being awake being alert to what God is doing. Like, like it said at the beginning, not dozing off, being oblivious to God, but being aware of, of who He is and the way He wants to interact with us. Because if you think about this, if we were to think ahead for five years ahead of our lives, and we're, we're, going, to be, we're going to be doing this for the next four weeks, okay? And uh, I, want to, I want you to think, okay, four weeks, Anthem Church, 10.30, Sunday mornings, you all know how to put a recurring appointment in your calendar, okay? But let's think about this for the next four weeks, five years. Who am I going to be in five years? And, and so I wanted to just throw out some ideas here. If you made a commitment, what could you do in five years? Okay, five years is long enough to learn to be pretty fluent in, in, a, in a language, all right? I'm about... I'm about 75% fluent in English, and I can, get, you know, I can get by enough to order food in restaurants, that sort of thing. But like five years' time, uh, with, you know, with 15 minutes a day, that's 480 hours over five years' time, you could, be, uh, you could be basically fluent in any group one language. That's one of the, the easier ones, which is 
you know, the, uh, some of the European languages, and Indonesian and Swahili, and, well, German, French, Spanish, that, Italian, Portuguese, that kind of stuff. You could be basically fluent in any one of those languages with 480 hours, which accounts, amounts to 15 minutes a day. You could probably afford a couple of trips to one of those countries just to you know, pick up the pace on your learning. In five years, you could, you could buy a home. Uh, you could probably buy a home and own it long enough to, to you know, get your, your costs back and make some money and then flip it or, or buy another one or something like that. Or maybe if you're not in that place right now, five years is long enough where you could have, you'd have a down payment for a, for a home. Uh, five years could be long enough to get a degree. Wherever you're at right now with your education, whether you're, you're in high school or whether you've got a master's and you're thinking about doing a PhD or another PhD or wherever you're at, do you know that 46 million Americans have some college credit? In five years, you could complete that. You could make a decision to, to, to finish that. Whatever interests you, whether it's uh, you know, computer science or English literature, you could say, all right, I'm gonna, in five years, I'm going to tackle that and, and, and nail it down. In five years, you could be running multiple marathons. You could be doing an Ironman, something like that. You could replace your entire wardrobe with better better clothes, right? You could, in five years, you could, I don't, don't point the finger or anything, but like in five years, you could be, you could be saying, right, I want to own my own business. I'm going to turn my garage or my basement into a place in which I run my own business, whether that's uh, photography or be, you know, you become a student of cryptocurrency and be an expert investor in five years. In five years, you could conquer a bad habit that is starting to take root in your life right now. You could see that thing eliminated. Even if you're, if there's, I don't know if there's any kids in the room, they're all back at the other end of the hotel, making a heck of a lot of noise all in one room today. I went down there earlier. It was awesome. But, but kids saving a dollar a day. But just maybe chores could get you a dollar a day. In five years, you could have $1,825, right? That's enough to buy something significant that you wouldn't normally be able to get. In five years, you could read 60 books at just six minutes a day. Six, seven minutes a day for the average book of 200 pages. You could say, I've, I've read 60 books in five years. You could read the Bible cover to cover more than once. Just a few minutes a day, and you could read the Bible cover to cover in less than two years. What if every time you attempted to sin... You are able to quote scripture, something like one of those scriptures that Abby read out this morning, that, that God is doing a new thing. I don't have to sink into like the, the dreariness and the drudgery of life. I can trust God that he's doing something new and I can live in that. It's a scripture that you can apply in your lives if we take the scriptures on board in our lives. In five years, you could pay down a significant chunk of your debt. You could probably remove all your debt, uh, pay a significant bunch of your mortgage off. And whatever uh, line on that you want to ace, you could, you could probably crush it in the next five years, all right? Now, another list. Here's another list of things that we could accomplish in the next five years. Like in five years, you could, you could have had multiple jobs because of your lateness in showing up and not being committed. You could have five or ten jobs, none of which work out. You could go bankrupt because you rack up an enormous amount of debt because you're undisciplined with your finances. Five years is enough time to get extremely addicted to drugs. Five years is long enough to have been going through a long and drawn-out divorce because of gradual and consistent neglect of your spouse and your family or the temptation to look in a direction that you shouldn't be looking in. In five years, you could smoke 35,000 cigarettes at a pack a day. All right, and, and do significant, significant damage to your health over the long term. And in five years, if you spend three hours a day, listen to this one, in five years, if you spend three hours a day looking at your phone, you could look back on your life and say, I have just spent 
280 24-hour periods on my device. 280 full days in five years. Now's maybe not a good time to, look, to open your settings and look at that screen time app because that, that might be like less for some of us than where we live on our devices. See, five, five years gives us enough time to, to, to make significant decisions in our lives. And this, this series is about decisions and the way we look at decisions over this next period of time in our lives. And, and that's why I wanted to encourage you earlier, like, make this a commitment over these next four weeks. Say, you know what? Sunday mornings, I'm going to let this bizarre British guy be my inspirer for the next few weeks because I feel like I feel excited about this series. I feel like I want to impart some uh, scripture to you and some encouragement for who God might uh, want us to be over this next five-year period of time. Right? And I know church is one of those things where we like we like we come, we come, and then we skip, and then we skip, and then we come, and then we come. And the average follower of Jesus comes to church like twice, 1.6 times a month or something. Let's, let's break that tradition this month, all right? You know, sometimes it's like come to church, come to church, skip, 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 come to church, skip, 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 Christmas, skip, 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 you know? And let's just say, all right, for the month of January, I'm going to be here and I'm going to listen to Scripture and I'm going to be encouraged by those around us to, 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 to think higher, to think, what, God, what does God want to do in me and what does God want to do in us at Anthem, in this local family of God, this spiritual home that it is for many of you? Who's in? All right? You coming in on this ride? Let's do this. Four weeks. I, I saw those hands raised, by the way, and I'm making notes right now. Okay. So now, the prophet Isaiah spoke the words of God, and at one point in his uh, 50 or 60 chapter prophecy, uh, uh, 25, 2700 years ago, he spoke the words of God and said this, God says, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. God has, God has a set of ways for us that are higher than our ways. I went to New York City yesterday, and we were in the car, and Elise was telling me, Dad, you've got to quit with this Apple Maps business. You've got to get on ways, because ways is going to tell you you can do it in like Santa Claus's accent or something, or you can know where all the cops are and stuff like this. Not that I need to know that because I, I only broke the speed limit twice on the way to New York yesterday. Uh, once from here to Hartford and once from Hartford to New York. So that was, that was pretty good. But like she said, she's like, you've got to get with ways. And I'm not talking about that ways. I'm talking about the ways of God, okay? Because often through Scripture, you read about the ways of God, all right? And God wants us to put His ways into practice in our lives. Are we thinking about His ways or are we thinking about our ways? And here's, the, here's this thought I want to I kind of let linger in our minds a little bit today. And let me put this up on the screen here. It says this, the ways that you let in become the ways that you're set in. Isn't that interesting? If we, if we let our ways in over and over again, if we live our life by our way of thinking instead of by God's way of thinking, we become set in our ways. We become set in those ways. You could say uh, often the, the, the phrase going through the motions has a bit of a bad rap, doesn't it? Like, oh, he's just going through the motions. But when you think about it, that depends on the motions, right? Is, are, those, are those good, godly motions because you're putting God's ways into practice in your life? 
or are they, am I going through my own motions? If I, if, I'm, if, I, if I go to the gym every other day and I walk on the treadmill for 15 minutes and somebody looks at me and is like, oh, that ain't going to help. He's just going through the motions. Like you can go through the motions and it's going to help, right? Just like some of us need to go through the right motions over this next year, don't we? We need to put things into practice in our lives that will help us get to where we're going because we're putting God's ways into practice in our lives. And it's only bad if you put into practice the wrong motions. All right, so we're going we're gonna to think about three things that I think um, are prevalent in this scripture and the way, the way uh, God wants to encourage us and speak to us today. And the, the, first, the first point is this. This isn't, this isn't a Bible verse. This is just a thought. The time, time is not on your side, right? We have a limited supply of time. You know, Paul brought that up in this passage of scripture a couple of times. It's like the night is almost over. The, the day is almost here. Uh, don't, be, don't be frivolous with what we've got to the point where we are oblivious to God and we, we, we just forget that we're even following Him. Now is the time to recognize that we, the time is not on our side. So the, the carelessness that we, that we can often have is, is not really an option. There's two, there's two words mainly in the New Testament that describe time for us. And one is, is, is the Greek word chronos, and just talks about the passage of time, that kind of like ongoing time, the chronology. That's where we get our word chronology, where it just kind of goes on. But the more significant word that appears in Scripture is this other Greek word, kairos, which is speaking about an appointed time. It's speaking about specific moments. And, I, and, and Jesus what said in his, in, uh, when, he, when his ministry began, he says, the appointed time has come. And he, from that point, he began his ministry. And I believe that there's times in our lives when you and I, you might be going through the sort of the chronos pattern of life where life's just going on. You're kind of oblivious to life and the world. You're just doing your day-to-day stuff. And yet you sense these moments in your day. Those are, those are what we often call kairos moments, where there is an appointed time that God uh, has in place and he's, he wants to do something in your heart at that moment. It could be that, one of those moments is today, that there's a, there's a, a, a critical moment, almost like a, a, an intersection where you could go along just as you are, or you could, you could take a, a detour because God's doing something in your heart that could, that could end up taking you in an, a completely different tangent of direction. You know, you, you, when, you, when you're getting on a plane, uh, you know, you're sitting at the gate, and, and they're saying, okay, uh, we're going we're gonna to board. There's like hundreds of people around. We're going to board people who have difficulty getting on the plane for disabilities or whatever reason. And then we're going to board the first-class passengers. And then you're like, you're sitting there. And then, like, we're going to board the military. And, you know, those of you in the military, thank you for your service. But, like, when it comes to getting on a plane, no. Like, I, like I, I'm, I, I don't like the military for that moment. Like, I want to get on the plane, you know? And I'm like, okay, great, thank you. Let's just thank them for the service, then let's all get on the plane. But sorry, I know that's too, too close for some of you. But, but anyway, like, you know, or, or, and then finally you get on and then there's that one moment where the door closes. And if you notice that that's like, a, that's like a, a final thing on a plane, is it? There's no messing with that. If you get up past the time the door closes, it's too late, right? It's happened. It's done, and I think there's moments in time where God is doing something unique, and it's for us to listen at that moment because it's a specific thing that He's doing at a specific time because we don't have much of it. 
Psalm 39.5 says this, You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. If you're feeling confident today, like, I've got it. I've got it going on. My retirement fund is, is like pretty well stocked for my age. I'm paying off my house. Got some great cars in the driveway. My family's doing well. Even those who are secure should recognize that the span of our days is a mere handbreadth. Like first-class passengers in a plane crash, they, they hit the ground with everybody else, right? First, probably. Like, that's why it's called first class. But like Psalm 90.10, let's read a couple more scriptures. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. I'll keep on. I'll, I'll read another couple here. Psalm 90.12 uh, encourages us. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I believe the Scripture is saying to us right there that like, the, the way we look ahead at the days we have is important. God challenges us to, to look ahead at specific spans of time that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And then 1 Peter 1.24 says, All people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Beautiful, stunning flowers, a whole field of them, and we're amazed by it. But God just reminds us, it's done, isn't it? In no time at all. It's, it's ash, it's, it's fertilizer for the next year's produce. But it says the Word of the Lord lasts forever. God's Word is our foundation and can be trusted, and, we, and, and it's, it's something that's secure. I think back to, uh, to, to two people in my life who have been, I believe, faithful to God's Word over many, many years. And um, uh, my mother, uh, this was my mother's Bible. She's been, been dead for a number of years now. She was, I think she was 80, 86 or 89 or something when she died. But this was her Bible. It's called the Living Bible. And uh, I remember as a five-year-old when she got this Bible, and she would, she would sit in the armchair that next to the, the coffee table where this Bible sat every single day, and she would work her way through this Bible. And um, I'm, the reason I'm kind of holding my mic like this is because I want to open it to the first page, not that you... Oh, look, it says here, uh, Christmas 1972. So I was four years old. So, and then in, in here, it's got the contents, the list of the books of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and she's under, she underlined it each time she got through one of the books of the Bible. You know, 24 of the, of the 66 books of the Bible can be read in less than 30 minutes, all right? She, she committed herself to the ways of God. And then, you know, going back further, uh, this was my grandfather's Bible, and he was 88 when he died, and that, I think, was in, like, 1986. And um, uh, what I see in... Well, why, I, I won't show you that because you can't see it, but what I see in here is uh, in the first couple of pages, his color code that he had with some colored pencils, 
where he would mark up the Scriptures depending on what theme. Some of the themes are talking about uh, God's plan, God's provision, the sovereignty of God, God's faithfulness, God's forgiveness. And he would, he would like theme the Scriptures as he read about them and underline them. And I read in these Scriptures uh, uh, in first, uh, 2 Timothy 1 earlier, I read it to our team earlier as we were gathering for prayer, where Paul says, uh, he says to, to Timothy, his younger and newer, fresh disciple, he say to him, Timothy, like, there's something in you that was started in your mother, whose name was Lois, and your grandmother, whose name was Eunice. And he names these two uh, women that were, in, uh, that were Timothy's ancestors. And he says, I believe that faith is in you also. And so he's saying to Timothy, he says, there's something in you that needs to, be, that needs to, to come out of you that comes from your heritage. As I think about my, uh, my mother and my grandfather and the commitment they had to God's Word over the years, I feel like they, it's a reminder to me, Colin, something new needs to come out of you. There's something that God wants to do in your heart that needs to be set free. And the verse after Paul says to Timothy, he says, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul's saying this to his younger disciple. He says, there's a gift in you. There's a gift of faith in you that needs to be fanned into flame. And I was saying earlier, you know, when, when I'm at home and we have, a, we have a log fire in our living room. And when that thing goes out, I'm always like, Liz, where's Liz? Because she's the best at like making a dead fire come to life again. She's got this magic touch. And she's just awesome at taking just the final few ashes and somehow she'll like get the paper or some kindling or something and just in no time at all, this thing's like blowing up. When I do it, it's like even more dead than it was when it, where it was. But, but he's saying to Timothy, he's like, you've got to fan that into flame. You've got to act to get this gift of God inside you. Maybe it's come through, through a decision to serve God that, that happened years ago in your life. Maybe you see it partly because of your heritage, because of your parents or your grandparents, as I did in my life. But I've personally got to fan into flame the gift of God. Fan it into flame. Encourage your soul. Encourage your heart to not quit, but to, to expand what God is doing in you. Because time is not on our side. All right, second thing. They're not all going to be as long as that one. But second thing, future you is just an exaggerated version of current you. <laughs> you ever realize that stark reality? Yeah, like, you know, as much as I thought, oh, one day I'm going to be different. One day I'm going to, I'm going to put this to death. One day I'm going to attack that. No, future you is just an exaggerated version of current you. Like, if you'll, be, you'll be like you with more miles on the clock, right? Which doesn't, isn't always good, is it? Uh, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're kind today, just by nature, you're kind You'll be more and more generous as time goes on if you are, if you are building that virtue in your life. You'll, you'll become a kind and generous old person one day. How many of you met some old person, some old people in your life that aren't that kind and generous, right? I, I can think of some, yeah, I'm, I shouldn't just in case this is recorded, but um, I can think of some people who are, very generic, people who are not kind or generous as elderly people, right? And because it seems like it wasn't something that was practiced or a virtue that was expanded because future you is just an exaggerated version of current you. Or if you're, if you're cruel, if you have a habit of shouting your mouth off, speaking, speaking uh, negative words over people, where do you think that's going to take you? 
Where, where is that going to take us before we put into place the virtues of God in our lives, the, the, the fruit, allow the fruit of the Spirit to take root in our hearts? If we're disciplined today, we'll be more disciplined still as we age. Time doesn't change who we are. It reveals who we are in greater measure, and we become more set in those, those ways. Right? We become more set in those ways. Proverbs 11.27 says this, Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. You know what I think that means? It just means whichever direction you tend to be going in, I believe that, 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 that it's, it's going to find you in a way. Like whether it's good or evil, you're going to find it. You're going you're to find what you're inherently grasping for. Number three, all right, ongoing consistency is more important than short-term intensity. And that's the, that's the thought behind this series we're going to do, you in five years. Ongoing consistency is more important than short-term intensity. And some of you, some of you in some areas of your life, you, you experience ongoing consistency, and you've seen the fruit of it. And then you, we know that there's other areas of your life, man, I, I deeply struggle in that area, whether it's whether it's health or fitness or generosity or prayer or Bible study or, or, or work or learning or education, we, 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 uh, we, we tend to go towards some things and, and never get other things in place in our lives. Com- uh, Albert Einstein said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. All right? Ever heard that before? You know, compound interest, we all probably know what that is, that incremental growth that's like it's growth upon growth and if you invest a hundred dollars in a year there's only like a hundred and five dollars you're like oh what was the point of that just all I got was a hundred and five dollars out of my hundred I would have done better just spending that making use of it but compound interest tells us that if if like we continue to invest we're going to talk about this in a few it's going to be like investment time in a couple of weeks we're going to do some other metaphors along these themes but but compound interest tells us that that the more we continue to invest and it grow there's growth upon growth upon growth uh, we'll see exponential growth take place in our lives uh, so albert einstein said that he who understands it earns it and he who doesn't pays it and we know what it's like to be uh, in, in uh, credit card debt and to be paying with compound interest. And some of us know what it's like to be, to be investing with compound interest well, as well and see growth in that area. Now, go back to Romans 13, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up in just a moment. Uh, Romans 13, uh, uh, verse 10, it says, we, can't, we read this earlier, we can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. You look at that, you're like, well, well I'm, I'm probably fine on one of those. You know, like we, we like to put things like sleeping around uh, in very different categories than bickering, don't we? But, you know, there's, there's things that the Scriptures put next to each other that we probably wouldn't tend to put next to each other. But he says, Paul says, like, we've got to be careful about wasting away those precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, not sleeping around but, and not in dissipation. What's dissipation? Dis- dissipation is, that, is to disintegrate. It's the opposite of integrity. So think about integrity as being, that's, that's complete you and me, right? That's complete us. 
And dissipation is where we, we give up our integrity. And that's what takes place in our hearts, isn't it? Because only you and I know where there are lapses of our integrity in our lives. That's, it, it's not as obvious as the, the, the sleeping around that Paul talks about. But dissipation is where there are lapses of my integrity and only I know about it. And Paul says, let's, let's not give in to dissipation. Let's not disintegrate in our lives, but let's be, let's, let, or in bickering and in grabbing everything in sight in selfishness, but let's move towards Christ. So I, I, uh, I, I put a title at the beginning of this message, um, and I, it was more fun to keep me focused, and it was this thought, and maybe the, the musicians could come up and prepare for our closing song this morning. Um, and, and I put this theme as like, are you, are you stuck with it, or do you stick with it? Because I think that the life that we, if we look around at the circumstances around us and our, our restrictions, just the things that are, are around us that are, that are genuine restrictions that surround our lives and yet our, our possibilities around us as well, we, we sometimes say, well, I'm stuck with this. This is my lot. This is all I've got. Or is there areas of our lives where we say, no, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to commit. I'm going to stick to this This." Uh, Maybe it's a, a small, minuscule goal where I can, I can grow in that area if I put this action into place. Am I stuck with it or do I stick with it? And that's, I believe, the question that God has for our lives today.